Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. You are listening to episode number 40, and today has to be one of my very favorite conversations to date. It is with Carly Page Summers, and she is here to share her story with us of walking through drug and alcohol addiction and how she came to know Jesus and also how she met her husband and really kick-started this incredible interior photography and design career that she now has today. We also chat a little bit about her nursery design and just what she's looking forward to in motherhood because she is pregnant with her first child and due in the month of June. So it is such a rich and fun conversation. I'm so excited for y'all to listen. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Paige Geidel. I am a wife and mom and host this podcast. It is a passion project of mine, and I'm so honored that I get to do it. The name Love in a Cottage actually comes from Little Women, which is one of my very favorite treasured stories. And this is a community for creative Christian women. Most of us are in our 20s, but we definitely have listeners who are in their 30s and 40s. Ultimately, we love Jesus. Many of us are wives and homemakers and mothers, and we talk about a lot of that here. And we also talk about some health things. We talk about small business, and I just have the joy of getting to know women and sharing their stories with you every single week. Today is actually my 23rd birthday, which is so fun. So if you would like to leave me a little birthday review, that would be so meaningful to me. I know that if you listen to podcasts or watch people's YouTube channels, you're probably very used to them like asking for ratings and reviews, but it really does help other like-minded women find the show and hopefully find a community that they feel seen and valued in and that they can come listen to the show and go on our Instagram and feel a sense of belonging and be led back to Jesus. I'm so excited for you to listen to my conversation with Carly. Let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Carly, welcome to the podcast. I'm so honored to be talking with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on it. Yes. Well, we got connected because I am just absolutely in awe of your talent, of your interior designing and um, styling and photography. And I honestly can't remember how I came across your page, but I think my whole Pinterest now is like 95% um, your work. And I am so excited to talk more about that later on. Um, But I also am excited to just hear more about like all of the things that have influenced your work and even um, on a more personal note, kind of just what the Lord has done in your life over the past 10 years, kind of leading up to to where you are now. But um, for those of our listeners who maybe don't know who you are, what you do, could you just kind of give us a brief overview? 
Yeah, so I started my career about eight years ago um, as a photographer. Uh, well, actually, 10 years ago, I started as a photographer, but didn't seriously start getting paid um, uh, until about eight years. And um, in the past five, six years, I've opened up an interior design firm um, where we incorporate uh, just eclectic European um, French styles to our clients, but also on an affordable range. Um, I have a team of one, two, three, about to be four, um, and they are incredible. And we live in Greenville, North Carolina, and we have an office downtown. I'm sitting in it right now, and we're all working away. But we get to design houses really, you know, we have, we've had some in California. We've had, you know, we try to keep them local, but um, we have just had such a blast um, kind of creating this business and then also transitioning from being an interior photographer to um, still doing that, but um, also transitioning into the interior design realm. So that's what we do. Amazing. Well, thank you for that overview. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. But we're kind of going to um, backtrack because I know that you have shared a little bit of your story um, on social media, but I would just love to hear kind of more about like life before your photography and design and um, just kind of what the Lord, I guess, has done in and through that. And so um, let's go back to Carly when she's, let's say, 20, 21 years old. That's scary. Um, well, at 20, uh, 21, um, I was living in Greenville, North Carolina, where I live now. Um, but I was in the uh, depths of drug and alcohol addiction. Um, you know, since the age of 15 until 22, I struggled with drug and alcohol abuse and really low self-worth. And so at the age of 20 and 21, I was a waitress, dropped out of college, um, struggling with, uh, the, the need of attention from men and not knowing who I was supposed to be or my purpose. I remember a boyfriend at the time told me I would always be a waitress and really never amount to much, which I think being a waitress is an incredible career if that's what you choose. But at that time, uh, I remember him telling me that as something defeating over my life. And I let a lot of people speak lies over me. Um, so yeah, at 2021, it was a pretty worthless and sad lifestyle, um, which I didn't get into um, until I was uh, 18 years old. I was a victim of sexual assault. And because of that, um, I felt this really low sense of worth. The enemy just tried to tell me that, you know, I wasn't going to be meant for anyone. I'd never get married, all these things. And I, I equated all these lies over myself because of one horrible incident. And then that's what triggered heavier alcohol and drug abuse. And so at 2021, 20, that was probably the lowest point of my life. And then at 22, I actually got sober. Um, I've been sober now over 10 years um, from drug and alcohol abuse, and uh, I don't feel any shame for my past life. God has totally healed and rede redeemed me. My life verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, I am a new creation in Christ. Uh, all things that have been are now gone. Let the new come. So that's where I was at 2021. 20, so if you're there, know that you can come out of that as well. Mm. That's incredible. Thank you so much for yeah being willing to open up and share about that. And yeah, I can't even imagine um, just like all of the growth and all the work that 
God has done in your life. And I know that you said at 22, you got sober. What was that process like? Were there like family stepping in or um, is that like kind of how you met the Lord or what, what led to that sobriety? Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents have really nothing to do with my, um, drug and alcohol abuse have precious family. I think I was just a wildflower and really interesting and creative and strange and, um, which I think is a blessing. And, um, I think the world can really take a hold of creatives. Um, and so that's just kind of what happened to me. And so my parents were precious, but at the age of 22, I'd gotten my second DUI. I'd ended up in jail um, and barely had anyone to come and get me out, couldn't call my parents. And so, um, it was either me going to prison for my, uh, I had two DUIs or I needed to go to treatment. And at that point I was so low, I was ready to go to, uh, to, to prison. And my parents were trying to encourage me to go into a Christian treatment center, Um, but they were also really done. They had stopped enabling me for the past two years. I'd been on my own paying for everything on my own, which also helped set me up to financially and, you know, create security for myself later on because they taught me that lesson. Um, but yeah, so at 22, they encouraged me to go to treatment and I had a moment where I was sitting on the floor of their kitchen, just sobbing and saying I wanted to take my own life. And I just felt this. A uh, small, still whisper say that it'll still make me cry. That he had a purpose for me. And I trusted and I listened and I asked for one more chance. And my parents sent me on a plane to Delray Beach, Florida, where I knew no one. Um, got on, got off the plane by myself, went to a detox center, uh, started the treatment process, and uh, got sober. So... Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What, like, it's amazing thinking about you having this moment where you just like felt the Holy Spirit speaking this over you. And I'm just thinking about all the like steps though, after that, and how I feel like all of us in our own ways have experienced like, yeah, this moment where God says something and it's amazing and it's emotional. Um, and then Along with that, there have to be like hundreds, I'm sure, of these Action. like micro decisions and actions. Yeah. Um, so, it was obedience. It was obedience yeah. for me. So for me, like once I got into treatment and I remember only having a couple pair of clothes and, um, you know, I remember only having a couple pairs of clothes of Jesus calling in a Bible. And I remember um, thinking, I can't believe I'm in rehab for like the second time in a row. Cause I had gone to rehab when I was 20 as well. And it didn't work. So I okay. mean, this was so it the I same went, center or was it a different, no, it was a okay. totally different one. The first one I went to did not have a Christian track. And the one that I went to in Florida did have a Christian track. Okay. Um, and that's where I just really focused. But I remember sitting in my bed thinking, wow, I'm such a failure. I can't believe I've gone to rehab twice. I can't believe I'm here. And then just feeling the call that every step I needed to make was to be obedient uh, because I had never been obedient in my entire life, Um, maybe a little bit as a child, but I was always a free spirit. And so the call to obedience was really important because in the, you know, I think it's Hebrews chapter 12, 11, it says, though discipline is hard at the time, 
you will produce fruit after it. So I was receiving discipline as a child of God and I knew that there would be fruit afterwards. So just had to be obedient in the process. And it sucked sitting in rehab. Uh, But it ended up being like a superstar rehab client because I just was like, I'm ready for this. I mean, I'm 22 years old and there's like 60 year olds who are like, how are you so excited to be here? I'm like, I don't know. But I also was so excited to be there because they gave me $75 a week, a place to sleep and food to eat. And, you know, for a long time before I got into treatment, I didn't know where I was going to live. I was on the verge of homelessness. I was stealing from grocery stores. And so rehab became this safe place. It was like a covering over me. So I ended up staying mm-hmm. an extra 30 days because I felt so safe and covered there, which is just so funny. The juxtaposition of what I do for a career now is designing home and photographing some of those beautiful homes on the planet when I you know, was on the verge of homelessness from drug and alcohol addiction. So that's how good God is and how just one step of obedience at a time can get you to where your purpose is. Oh my goodness. Yes. I was thinking about, even as you were saying that too, like you were given this like safe space and you're getting to create these safe spaces. I think, is your book called Sacred Spaces? Is that right? My book is called Sacred Spaces. Oh my gosh. Wow. And that makes that like that much more powerful, which I'm excited to hear more about later on. But um, yeah. So how long were you in rehab then in Florida, like the second time? So I was in rehab for 58 days. Um, My insurance was able to extend it, um, which was very helpful financially um, because rehab is typically about a thousand dollars a day. Um, So, um, you know, it can be really expensive. And so, uh, and it's a privilege to go to treatment. And that's something I had to really realize, which is why I took it very seriously. But um, I was in treatment for 58 days. And then right after treatment, I ended up uh, getting on a plane and moving to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where I was a missionary for half of a year. And it's where, you know, I realized in treatment, that was the first time I ever opened up about my sexual assault. And that's kind of what opened up the door of healing for me and realizing why I did the things I did. But it wasn't until Haiti where I got to serve and work with women who were also victims of sexual assault, where I got to realize that God could use my story for healing and a purpose. And so I felt like I had this mission after serving, which is something I would always encourage people to do. You know, if you're stuck, go serve. Um, Because when you serve others is when you heal. Um, And a lot Mm. of times, like... That you know, with self-help and all that, like you need to focus on yourself and your issues and all that. And sometimes when you get outside of yourself um, and serve others, you recognize that there's purpose in your suffering. Um, So that's what happened to me while I lived in Haiti and it totally changed my life. And um, from Haiti, I ended up moving, I got into a Christian university in West Palm Beach, Florida and ended up going there and finishing my art degree there. Um, I never thought I would go back to school. I didn't have a high enough GPA to get into any school, but they accepted me based on my testimony, which was really cool. Wow. (laughs) Yep. That's amazing. um, Yeah. I think I had like a one GPA. I have no idea, but um, they accepted me into the school and I really just plugged myself in and it was a really safe place. It was about 3000 students, um, overlooked the intercoastal waterway. Again, also a privilege and um, just immersed myself. And that's when I first started teaching uh, Bible study of young women in college and met my husband there, all that good stuff. So that's kind of yeah. rehab Haiti and then 
kind of the college yeah. experience as well. And that's like quick. So you said you're in rehab for uh, like about 60 days, 58 days, and then you go like straight to Haiti and then to school, yeah. um, which is just so incredible. And I really appreciate before, like I wanted to touch on what you said, like if you're stuck, go serve, because I feel like, yeah, that is so um, powerful I think feeling like we need to have it all together or we need to like work through these things and show up as this like perfect example, which if we're waiting for that, like, you know, we'll never be (laughs) right. Exactly. And so I just feel like that is um, so, so powerful that you were um, able and wanting and passionate about going to serve. And I love how God was able to like work through you and your story and helping others heal in that way. Um, what was it like? I'm so curious, like then being in this like Christian college setting, because you have just walked through, I would say more than the average like college student at this time in your life. Was that? It was interesting. Yeah. So I was older than everyone else. I was 23. Okay. Um, and most, I remember I was like touring the campus with my mom and there was like two 17 year old boys. Uh, they were they were twins and they were like looking at the college to go to and um you know they were like oh hey what's your name and I'm like oh my god I'm like gonna be the cougar on campus oh you my know what gosh I mean? <laughs> like yeah. I, would, I just felt so much older than everybody um and you know there was a disadvantage to that but there was also an advantage to that because mm. if I had not walked through what I'd walked through and been a 23 year old I wouldn't have been qualified to necessarily be teaching a bible study to the people who are younger than me yeah. so I remember working at a shoe store like at because I couldn't drive I didn't have a driver's license for my DUIs I worked at a shoe store that was like two miles away from me and I'd walk to work every day and I would use my sales experience as a place to share my testimony. And, um, we sold Tom's at my store and I would like kind of tell people about Tom's and how they, you buy a pair, you give one pair and it'd be like, when I lived in Haiti, we gave away Tom's. And so like, and I would use it as practice of like sharing my testimony. Well, these two really sweet young ladies walk in one day and I share a little bit of my story and they're like, man, you'd be a great Bible study leader. Would you want to lead us in a Bible study? And they were 18, 17 years old. I was 23. I said, you know, that'd be fun. And so I said, let's do it next week, Wednesday night at my apartment. I lived in the middle of campus in like a little historical home. And the, we called it the upper room and, uh, girls, that were freshmen in college, uh, 18 years old came and I was able to teach, you know, the word and practice being a leader. And then that was the first time I ever led a mission trip. Um, I helped them raise funds and I took them all to Haiti and it was most of their first experience going on a mission trip. I can't believe their parents let me take them to Haiti. Um, I just really immersed myself and I was very open with my testimony and I did probably scare some people like, wow, I've never heard, you know, a lot of people were more, you know, naive. And most people who are going to Christian universities are probably people who might not have had as many rough around the edges type of experiences like me. Uh, But Mm. then there were some who had, who hadn't recognized it yet. And so it was just a neat place for me to get started in ministry. And then also my creative abilities. I had incredible professors who pushed me in my art field and photography and um, all 
that huge realm. Um, so it, and my professors would pray over me. I didn't, you know, I had never had that type of experience before. I usually had professors who just, you know, didn't necessarily care in a secular, uh, type of setting. So I really immersed myself fully head on. I was definitely an oddball. I've always been an oddball. You know, I was older. I had lots of experience. I'm in recovery. I don't drink, you know, all these things. And so it was an interesting environment, but I really enjoyed it. Hmm. That's amazing. I love, I went to a Christian university and for me, it was like such a positive experience. And I loved, um, yeah, hearing that you were able to like share your testimony, literally like at your job in college. I just love hearing how God can use everything. It's so amazing. He does. And I know that you kind of mentioned that your husband, was he at the same school as you? I love hearing like how y'all met. Yes. So no, he was not. So because I didn't have a driver's license, um, I had to find a church that was local to me. And I had not always had the most positive experiences at church. Um, Belonging, um, feeling cool at youth group, things like that. So I hadn't always been a big church person, but I was like, let's give this a try. So I found a church I could walk to. um, And I started serving at that church. And my Bible study was uh, a small group out of that church. And um, the two pastors who had not met before, it was a satellite uh, campus. We actually have one of the, or the church I used to go to is one of the largest churches in the United States. It's called Christ Fellowship. And um, I ended up getting interviewed by the two pastors, having no idea that they wanted to hire me for a job. And I said, I mean, I have a criminal record. Are you allowed to hire me at church? And they were like, you're good. Like, we're not concerned about your past. We're excited about your future. And I was terrible at my job um, because I was doing administrative work and like, I'm a full-blown creative. Um, But the first day on the job, I'm chopping bagels and getting fruit prepared for the band. And there's this really hot drummer. Um, it's always the drummer. My husband's a drummer too. (laughs) It's always the drummer. And, um, I had noticed him before and, um, yeah, he ended up sparking up a conversation with me and we're both surfers. And so he invited me to go surf the next day and we went surfing and we hung out every day. And then a month later, he told me he was in love with me, which was so scary. (laughs) And seven months later we were engaged. So it was pretty fast. Um, and then we ended up getting married about 10 months later. So we were together for about a year and a half and, you know, I can't go too far down that cause that'll definitely make me cry, but, um, he's just been like the biggest blessing to me and like my redemption and ever feeling like I ever deserved someone, um, especially because of, you know, the low self-worth that I had before. And he is such a precious gem and, um, has such a servant's heart. And um, we work together. He's the CFO, COO of Carly Summers. Uh, so he does a lot. Um, but yeah, that's how we met. And now we have a baby coming. Yes. Oh my goodness. You're due next month? Next month, June right? 25th. Wow. And our, do you know what you're having? I can't remember. Yes, I'm having a little boy. I have not announced it on social okay. media, um, okay. but having a little boy. Wow. Oh my goodness. Well, we're all so excited for you. That is so fun. I can't wait to see more bits and pieces of your motherhood journey. But um, yeah, I just appreciate you sharing um, your whole range of experience. And I think before we kind of transition a little bit into talking a bit more about your career and stuff, I would love to know, 
if there's anyone who has like a sibling or a friend or someone who's kind of like walking through a season that you did and struggling with like drug and alcohol abuse, what would you say would be some encouragement things to like say or not to say? I mean, I would say like there's probably no magic words. Like it was totally the work of the Holy Spirit. It's tough. You know, I think about how I got to where I am. And I will tell you the approach that did not work. And I'll tell you an approach that did work. Um, I think that being in a Christian setting um, and having people want the best for you, they can say things that they think are good, but they're not. And, you know, I wish at that time someone reached out to me and said, like, hey, I love you. What is going on? Like, you know, why do you think these are some things that you do? How can we get to the heart of like what's going on instead of coming at it from like, you shouldn't be drinking, you shouldn't be having sex, coming at it from a religious perspective and like a Pharisee type of um, approach. And people don't mean it in that way. But at the time, instead of reaching me into like the depth of my soul and like, people immediately were like, what's wrong with her? Um, why does she I'm sure do only these- fed the like self-worth thing too. Yeah, exactly. And like, Man. you know, I think I scared Christ- like Christians my age away from me because I was so crazy. Hmm. Um, you know, instead of someone trying to kind of reach me where I was, which is why it's really important for me in my Bible study now, like it's a come as you are. Um, and a lot of the girls open up to me and tell me about, you know, just their experiences and they know that their Bible study leader is never going to judge them because I've done everything 10 times worse than them. And um, so just creating a safe place for people um, and then having the patience to wait for them to open up. I had one young lady who was with me for over a year and um, she opened up to me about an abuse that she had never shared about before. And I love her so much. Um, She became my employee And she's now, her trajectory of life is just so different because she, you know, and it's not because of me, it was the Holy Spirit gave her a safe place to open up and like receive understanding and grace and healing of all those things. So, you know, just being a safe space for people and just being a good listener, I think is really important. And then not coming at it from like a, what's wrong with you? But like, hey, like what's going on type of perspective And then for that person who is struggling with addiction, I mean, the only way that you can heal is if you surrender old life and pick up a new one. You can't take things from your current life and expect them to be the same thing. You know, in in recovery, you say you have to change the people, the places and the things. So unfortunately, you have to cut off old self. I mean, it talks about scripture, like if your eye calls you, stumble, plug it off your hand you got to chop it off. And that's what I did. And that's how I was able to gain such victory in my sobriety is I totally cut all those things off. And that doesn't mean that I haven't reconnected with people from my past who I love and I adore, but at the time I had to totally disconnect from those. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I know that's going to be so encouraging to someone. Um, man, and I love hearing you talk even like in an emotional and like a Bible study way, like about creating these safe spaces for people to open up. And obviously that has totally led into, to what you do now. Um, and so 
kind of going back to like, I guess your timeline in your twenties. So like you are leading Bible study and you were doing this like admin job at your church. How on earth did you start doing this interior photography? And what did that transition look like? You know what? There's one pivotal moment that I can remember. And I was, you know, I'd gotten married. I had a home of my own. I really started to curate it and design it. And I was reading this book that someone gave me. It was called The Power of a Praying Wife. And uh, I love that book. Yeah. And and there's this one part in it where she goes, if you allow your husband to be the head of the home, it allows you to be the heart. And I've always struggled with submission because I'm such a domineering, abrasive, assertive human being that I know I might not seem that way, but I am. Um, Everyone around me can testify to that. And, um, you know, for me, submission was something that was challenging to understand and grasp. But when I heard that we could have equal roles in a, there was like, not, you know what I mean? In a sweetness, like allowing him to be the head, I got to be the heart. And like yeah. what that meant for me. And so I started posting little quotes from Power of Praying Wife and it would be me and my interiors or my photography or the styling of it. And I just kept posting things that I was passionate about and it started to grow. And I remember I had 5,000 followers and I was like, whoa. And then it was 8,000 and then it was 10,000 and then it was 12,000. And then I was like, this is just crazy. And this is back when Instagram, there wasn't an algorithm and you could just like grow out the wazoo. Um, yeah. It's a challenge now. Um, I just posted what I loved and I was working at this admin job and I was really struggling with it. I honestly hated it, but I like loved my leadership and they, they could tell I was really struggling. And I remember my pastor sat me down and did a passions and giftings chart. And it's just a simple T chart. Like it's actually one of the most beneficial things that someone's ever done for me. He said, okay, Carly, what are your passions? What are the things like if you go to the grave, you didn't do you're going to be sad. And then what are your giftings, things that you're naturally just good at? And so he drew connections to it. And he goes, Carla, we don't hire anybody at church to do what you like to do. And he goes, as much as I hate to say this, I feel like God's telling me to kick you out of the nest and like to pursue this career that you feel like calling to you. And I said, okay, let me think about it. And then three days later, I put in my three weeks. And he was like, I didn't think you were going to quit this soon. And, uh, About two days after I quit, I got an email from a woman asking me to fly out to Morocco, Africa to style and photograph all of her sets out there. So I'm sorry, what? And you're like, are you like 25 at this point, like working at your church? Yes, 20, 25, 26. And um, I was like, okay, God, this is an adventure. And I flew to Morocco, Africa and started to document that journey and styling and photographing for this woman who was buying textiles out there. And um, that's really where my career picked off. People trusted the vision behind what I was doing because someone trusted me to go out and do that in another country. Um, It also opened up my eyes to textiles and weavers and all that, which has grown my business as well, which is textiles and all that's a big forefront of what we do. Um, and so after that, I just started getting hired for more jobs and more jobs. And I just made a website saying I was an interior stylist and photographer and it was a fake it till you make it kind of thing. And then it, you know, and it was what I was meant to do. And I worked very hard at it. And a lot of people question it like, man, you know, like you're posting a lot on Instagram or, you know, you spend a lot of time taking photos of this flower arrangement on the table. And I'm like, you wait. 
you know. Uh, we have yeah. a styled photo shoot of a table setting for anthropology tomorrow. So, you know, all oh, that time my gosh. that I spent, you know, doing that kind of stuff, you know, really putting in effort into what I was passionate about um, was important. I had to do the hard stuff too, billing, invoices, all that. And now I have people that can do that for me, praise God, because I yeah. am totally special in that area. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so my career picked up and then I realized that after I worked for a bunch of interior designers that I could do it as well and crafted my own interior design business. That's very different from others. Um, I've never worked underneath another interior designer, so I'm not sure how other people do it, but we do it in our way that works for us. Um, and our clients love the process and, um, we have just been totally blessed, but it has been, you know, again, a fake it till you make it. And then we're not faking it anymore. Some days I feel like I still am. And that's the imposter syndrome. Um, mm. But God's like, no, you're here. You're doing it. Like, I'm proud of you. So, yeah. yeah, that's kind of the journey of the career from the church, working at a church into what we do now. Yeah, like straight shot. There was not this waffling. That's no insane. And I love hearing like, I don't know, it, it feels like from what you're saying, um, it's all this like fruit of just like you richly just spending time with the Lord and like so fiercely wanting to do whatever he wants you to do and like acting in obedience. Like what I hear you saying and what I um, can see as you're speaking is it wasn't like you set out to like, yeah, be this like extremely successful interior designer and you did work hard, but not in the way that I feel like the world thinks we should. And I don't know, obviously, um, I don't know what exactly your job looks like, but I would imagine you're not spending like, you know, hours on Pinterest trying to emulate something else. Like it's such a creative, unique style. And I feel like that can only come from like your story, your experiences and like just the Lord, you know? No, for sure. Um, it's definitely the, I mean, I wouldn't say I haven't strived. I have, um, but all of this stuff, and I've worked very hard, but um, a lot of it has come very naturally um, and because it was part of my path. And I do feel like I have um, a hand of favor over my life because of the obedience that I've chosen. Mm. Um, Because when I did decide to surrender my life and pick up the new life, God was like, girlfriend, I got way more in store for you than you can even imagine. And it doesn't mean I don't have hardships. I mean, I have extreme hardships. I mean, even last year and, you know, I've been opening up about it a little bit more. I had an ectopic pregnancy and, Mm. you know, never in my life did I think that that would be something that was part of my story. And, um, you know, having to trust God through that or the loss of people in my life or, Um, even the battle of still wanting to pick up a drink or a drug or things like that. I mean, the battle of recovery is, you know, I would say I'm fully recovered and I'm healed. Um, I try not to claim the life of an addict over myself because again, I'm a new creation, but doesn't mean I don't have a thorn in my side and past tendencies. Life can be really challenging. Um, but choosing to, you know, continue to pursue obedience and everything. And I'm definitely not perfect in it. You can ask my husband, I'm a hot mess, but. 
Well, I also even appreciate and and like drawing this connection and like obedience and submission. I just appreciate you even being able to say the S word, okay? Because it's like a scary culture to talk about that. And I feel like the past couple of months, I've just been having so many conversations with friends about like, what are we doing? How are we doing this? What does this look like? Because um, I'd consider myself like pretty action-oriented, strong-minded, and that makes me want to go back and read The Power of a Praying Wife because I have that book on my bookshelf. Good one. So, so good. How do you feel like your um, faith in Christ and um, just your life in general has like influenced your style specifically? Yeah, so... So, you know, we have a book coming out called Sacred Spaces, and none of these houses in this book are homes that I've designed personally. Um, They're all people that I have found around the world who have let me come and document their stories and then share their sacred spaces um, in in our book. But when it comes to creating a sacred space um, and for our clients and for like what we do and how we do it underneath like a faith-based type of thing, because I would say we do try to design in that way is, you know, creating something really special for the homeowners or renters or things like that. And, you know, we don't shy away from dropping J bombs. That's what I say. Like I will drop a Jesus bomb, like in a heartbeat, even if my client isn't a believer, uh, just because I want them to know that he is the center of what we do. Um, but when we come into a space, you know, we're trying to create these like holy, precious and beautiful spaces that honor their hard work, honor their stewardship. And then, you know, again, we care a lot about stewardship. You know, we try to tell people where to spend money, where it's more practical and then where to save more money. Um, and we just try to decorate these spaces for me I want someone to have this quiet still corner where they can go and rest and when their butt hits a seat it is where they find the presence of God and I have some clients who I would tell that to and they think I'm woo woo juju and they think I'm crazy um you know and sometimes we're not openly telling people that's what I'm creating for them but underlyingly we're trying to create a sacred space for them for when they walk in their front door, they drop their luggage, they drop their chains, and they walk in into a sanctuary for themselves to hopefully find the Lord. I remember my first design client I ever had, she was virtual. It was seven years ago, and she was in New Orleans, and she wasn't a believer. And I flew down there, finished her space up, spent the night, slept on her couch. I mean, and the next day I was like, can I pray over your apartment? And I held her hands and we prayed and uh, prayed for the Holy Spirit to reign there. And uh, I remember she was like, you know, she was in her 40s and she was like, I hope one day I get married and I hope one day I have a child. And she is married with a child. I helped her design her second home. And so it's just this, it's this really sweet sanctuary that we're hoping to create for our clients and usher the the Holy Spirit into that space, Mm, even if they don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And Okay, this is another kind of conversation that I feel like I've been having with some of my my friends. Um, you know, we're like in our 20s and maybe our husbands are just starting their careers and we have babies and student loan debt and all kinds of things, okay? Like, how do you feel like, um, I guess this question is kind of like two parts. One, like what do you feel like are some of those key components to creating like a sacred, holy, restful space for your family? And also just what like, 
encouragement or tips would you have for someone who, yeah, is obviously just kind of starting out in life? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when I was in my early twenties, right after I got married, I couldn't afford the things that I can afford now. Um, and you know, I remember shopping at Goodwill and, you know, uh, thrifting and antiquing, and it's still something that brings me immense joy. But one thing, if I could go back to my 20 something year old self, which is weird to say that go back to my 20, cause I'm in my thirties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I spent, this is just extreme practical advice. I spent a lot of little $20 items to decorate my home at home goods. And I wish I had not. Um, I wish I would have, and this actually is something I, I encouraged another young lady to do. She was like, Oh, I just want to get like a really cheap couch. And I was like, no, I, I think save, use what you have for now. The good stuff will come later. Don't buy things that are going to wear out in a year. Buy things that are, you know, pra- you know practical, functional, but beautiful and something that you're going to love that's timeless um, instead of buying something that's like a quick fix. Now, sometimes you have to do that, and I do that for myself, but I wish I would have in- invested into pieces that I could carry with me to each stage of life instead of buying something out of instant gratification. That's something that I did that I wish I didn't do. I wrote a blog on it a long time ago. I was like, stop buying those $20 items from home goods, like save it up and buy that $300 coffee table that you were going to take with you to every house um, yeah, or, or yeah. different things like that. And like curating a space. And the thing is, is nothing has to be perfect. I remember I had a hand-me-down couch and I loved plants and I loved textiles And I didn't like the way the couch looked and I covered the couch with like different textiles and plants surrounding myself. And is it, was it perfect? No, but was it a place for me to find peace? Yes. And I think one thing that has helped like me and my husband is him allowing to, and that comes back into that like submissive type of thing is Mm -hmm. he allowing him to ask the question, do you really need that? Do you have a place for that? And allowing him to be a voice into that. And um, sometimes I'll listen. <laughs> he says, I still do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's something that's practical so that you're you're creating a home together, um, yeah. which I think is something that's really special. And then it's something he'll want to honor and he'll mm. be proud of. Uh, because wow. when I was able to become the heart of the home, and like create this space. It was something that he was excited to bring his friends over and his family over and different things because it was this sweet little sanctuary that we had created. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. I feel like there's this ugliness that, um, I won't speak for anyone else, but maybe other people will resonate with that. It's like, okay, I stay at home. I'm home all day with two little ones and I love creating anything um especially like we're in a house after being in this teeny tiny little california apartment and so just i don't know that's been such a fun creative outlet but i can get into this ugly mindset of like i deserve xyz like this is my thing this is my domain you know and like he wants to create and to allow me to create like a beautiful home and a beautiful space. But as soon as I like bring that attitude into it, it's not fun and it doesn't feel good. And it's just not. What's the same on the flip side. It's the same on the flip side. So it's like, you know, if he's the one going to work, you know, every day and then he's like, well, what I make is mine. 
You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. it's having that yeah. equal balance and that's where it's really beautiful with marriages. Like, you know, you both bring equal things to the table. And like for a long time, my husband had a nine to five career. And then um, he actually has only been working with me for the past two years. And so he had a nine to five job and that allowed me to be able to create and do this platform and build my business up to a place where he was like, oh man, I can quit my job and we're going to work together. In the beginning, it was a huge challenge for us to learn how to work together. But now it's become this like really sweet, harmonious thing. Um, But, you know, it took time for us to get there. So, you know, I think if you're starting out and it sounds like what you're doing, is really cool. Like, you know, you're, you're even the way that you speak on your podcast, it's like just even being on this, you're so talented. Um, thank you. Had to affirm you in that, but just to continually like make time for yourself as a mom. And that's the one thing that I'm having to grasp is that I'm going to have to make time for myself and then also to bring in mothership as part of, the ownership of who I am, um, wow. which is going to be a, a challenge for me because I'm so passionate about what I do. Um, and you know, maybe that's me dropping him off at daycare and having a full creative day for me and like giving yourself time to, you know, hire a babysitter and like you go out and you thrift or, you yes. know, and like managing your time in that way, you know, I think that's going to be one of the key balances that I'm going to have to try to figure out. But Totally. Yeah. I feel like I got to go to an estate sale at the most beautiful home a couple days ago and it was just so life-giving. My mom like had both of my babies in the car and I just walked around alone. I wasn't worried about my toddler like throwing all the glass off the tables and it was so helpful. So yeah, I definitely just Carving out time. You're saying exactly. And like- yeah, taking advantage of that nap time. I've never been asleep when the baby sleeps person. I'm like, so I'm running down to my lair to like work on my Roman shades. I love it. It's it's so fun. Yeah. Okay. So this is a, just kind of a fun question. How has um, nursery design been for you? What has that process been like? Oh yeah. Uh, My nursery design is like, I've never been more proud of a room I've ever designed in my life. Um, we, I had a videographer here who will be on staff, um, in August, like creating some of our content, but she came and did like a video of like me, like walking around the nursery. And then, um, I talk about the design of the nursery. And so the nursery is very, um, sheep, shepherd, um, that type of direction. I'll probably like reveal it on like a Instagram TV or reel on Friday, hopefully. Um, but I, I was able to create a product for my nursery. That is something that I wanted. So we have a furniture line and, um, we have a lot of the rockers out there are not necessarily my style. So we were able to create a swivel rocker, uh, that we'll be launching, Friday. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but the nursery design has been so pressured me. I mean, my husband, like last night, like I'm like putting away cause I didn't realize you had to clean all their clothes before <laughs> with like special detergent. I mean, I'm learning oh new things. Gosh. So I've yeah. been washing his little clothes and putting them away. And I just like turn a lamplight on and I like sit in the rocker and I like imagine myself in there. And so it's yeah. just been 
designing the nursery has been an absolute stinking joy for me. Like I just want to hang out in there all the time. Now, when I found out I was having a boy, you know, obviously designing a little girl's room is slightly more interesting and fun. Mm -hmm. His um, nursery feels a little bit like Palace of Versailles, little French prince. Um, but he's going to forgive me later. He doesn't know for now. It's like a crown of fabric draped over his crib. So you'll get to see Friday, but it has been such a huge joy designing his nursery. And now it was so funny. Like, uh, my associate designer, Leah, she's like, I love designing nurseries. And I was like, I don't know. I don't really know if I like to design kids rooms. And now that's like all I want to do. Oh my gosh. I'm sure. Yeah. Because even going back to what you're saying about creating these like holy, just meaningful spaces for people to feel the presence of God. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking about the mom who is rocking her baby in there at 2 a.m. And like the power of that beautiful space and God being able to meet her there. Yeah. And I, and I designed my nursery around a painting I got that was $75. And, um, I know $75 is a lot of money to some people, but for a fine art oil painting, that's over 20 by 40 inches big. It's a, it's a shepherd and he's leading his flock. And I designed the nursery off of that color palette. And Mm. so it was like a $75 painting and I love it. It's like the forefront of like the nursery. And uh, in the video, you'll hear me talking about like, I always want like my son to feel like the prodigal and I'm the dad. And like, no matter where he leaves it, like he leaves the 99 for the one, like that's what I want my son to always feel like he has in me. And so that's kind of how I designed the nursery because I've always felt like the black sheep. But like yeah. always welcomed home, like back to the arms of the father. So that's kind of yeah. how I like designed his nursery. So again, yes, very sacred and yes, and all those things, but around the $75 painting. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's incredible. I cannot wait to see that reveal. That's going to be amazing. Thank you for sharing about that. Yeah, of course. And last question before we wrap up, I know we've kind of hinted at it a little bit here and there, but you have a book coming out next year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Did you ever think you'd have a Never. book that's just amazing. What has that process been like? I think you were, did you fly and like photograph a bunch of stuff for the book? Is that right? I did last year and I was pregnant during that time. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I've actually been sick my entire pregnancy since week six. I've been throwing up almost every other day. So hands up to all those mamas like me who have been dealing with that. Um, I take mm. Zofran all the time and, or they'll have Dramamine in here for me at the office, but, um, we traveled all through that. We traveled to seven different countries, um, and photographed different people around the world. And, um, there's only three people in the book, four people in the book who are believers. Um, some have, um, totally different lifestyles than me, but the whole book and the premise of it is, uh, we, you know, Jesus invites every story to the table. We would be ignorant to believe we couldn't learn from someone who's different than us. So that's the legacy I want to carry for my family and for my children. Um, and inviting every story to the table, something that's super important to me. So the book comes out next year, March, May, and, um, it will be sold worldwide. I mean, it's just funny that, and I wouldn't say I wrote it, um, it's interviews. So it's okay. just, it's people's stories and testimonies. If I had to write a book, I don't think that would be, look very pretty. <laughs> um, but beautiful photographs. My husband got to travel along with me for so a special. lot of it. Um, but yeah, so we're really excited about it and we hope that it ministers to people and again, hoping that everyone feels like they have a place inside this book. So we're, we're excited about it. 
Yeah. Oh, incredible. And will there be like a pre-order for that at all on your site? I'm sure there will be. Okay. Um, this is such a new experience. Like I, even today after our call, I have a call at three with the, it's called the interior designer of my book. And so mm-hmm. like we're working on page layout and font and all of that. So um, we're designing it currently and, okay. um, and then it'll be published. It'll be an eight by 10 coffee table size book um, for color. So yeah, it's so crazy. I mean, I struggled with learning disabilities like my whole life, reading, writing, comprehension. The fact that I have a book coming out and that people call me an author is a miracle. Um, but if you're, if you struggle in those areas like me, just do a book around interviews. You don't have to write anything. (laughs) Amazing. So you just get to talk with people. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's all it is, is question and answer. I love that. I love that. Well, I've never pre-ordered a book, but I guarantee when this happens, I will be doing that. Thank you. And it's in an affordable price range too. So, Oh my gosh. God bless you. That's exciting. So Carly, I like to ask every guest um, the same kind of fun questions just to wrap up each interview. So first question is, what are three things that you have been loving? Totally random, food, design things, books, etc. Okay. Food, personally, right now, I'm craving so much fruit, like pears, peaches, black. I mean, yeah. I have like a bowl of fruit out all the time, so I'm just like craving tons of fruit, and uh-huh. it's just so pretty sitting out on my counter. I put it in a pretty bowl, so mm-hmm. I make it aesthetic, so I'll wash some blackberries or some cherries, and it's like a little snack for me to pick, and it's pretty on my counter. I love that. Yes. Um, things that I also love um, – with where I'm currently going with my design, I am doing more features on jewel tones. Um, so whether it's like bright golds or deep burgundies or uh, cranberries, I have a section on my house that's out of our furniture line that's made out of cranberry velvet fabric. So I'm loving like those jewel tones, like matched with neutrals. Mm. Um, and that's been around for a while, but it's starting to impact my eye lately in my interior design. And then a third thing that I am loving, um, this is just for anyone that needs it. Um, I uh, subscribe to the Joyce Meyer app. Um, and I, you know, the whole excuse, I don't have time to read my Bible thing. I, you know, I do make that excuse for myself sometimes, but her app is so good and her testimony is similar to mine. And so it's like my quick read in the morning, but she just is so powerful and so honest and so truthful. And like, I really resonate with other women who are honest about their struggles and current struggles in their walk with God. Yeah. So she's like very honest about that. And so I'm loving her. Um, Daily devotional is just a Joyce Meyer app. Amazing. Oh man, now I want to go look at that. I had some friends in college who were like, we love Joyce. Joyce is amazing. But I have never gotten to like dive into any of her work. So she's like my idol. I love her. Oh, thank you so much for recommending that. Um, And how can we as a community be praying for you? Just this new season of life I'm about to walk into. I am so excited to hold him, but also petrified of how my life is going to dramatically change. My life will not be my own. Selflessness will take a whole new type of cue in my life. I can't even believe it. Um, So just praying for this new season and a healthy and easy birth. My pregnancy has been a huge challenge. So a lot of people are like, your pregnancy was so hard. Your birth is going to be so amazing. And I'm like, I'm going to receive that. Yes. (laughs) Um, So uh, healthy birth, 
healthy baby, sleepy baby, all the things. So prayers for that towards me, I would really receive. Totally. We will definitely be praying for you in that. And where can people find you and see your work and connect with you? Um, On my Instagram, at Carly Page. Uh, My name is Carly, but I made my Instagram like like 10 years ago and it was like a joke. Um, That's so funny. I had to double check when I was emailing you. I was like... so annoying. (laughs) Well, like my friends, there's like this old uh, like YouTube video of like two little kids and he says, Charlie bit my finger. And like my Uh friends would go, Carly. And so that's just where it came from. And now I get like emails from magazines, Dear Carly. And I'm like, oh my God, my name's not Carly. But it's fine. So it's C-A-R-L-A-Y-P-A-G-E. But my name is Carly Summers. And Paige is my middle name. Um, so at Carly page or Carly summers.com, uh, you can see a bunch of our work or if you want to inquire about our design services. And then I do virtual design on the expert, um, which has been a really fun platform for me. So much fun. That's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was such a joy to talk with you today. It was a blessing. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of love in a cottage. I'm so grateful you decided to join us today and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. Here are a few ways you can connect with our community and support the show. So the first way is to share the show with a friend. This is actually how most people find our show and I am so thankful every time you do this. You can text them a link or you can also share the show on your social media. This ultimately helps the algorithm get our show to more like-minded women who can find our community. And I also just love reading through your comments. They mean so much to me and are so encouraging. And finally, you can actually donate to the show by Venmoing Paige Geidel or sending via PayPal to hello at pageguidel.com. I'm currently working on getting a website up and running, so this is more official, but it does cost time and resources and energy to create the show. And even just $5 helps so much with all of the monthly fees and time. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so thankful for you and we will see you next week for another episode.